Welcome, everybody, to Body Ecology Living with me, Donna Gates. I'm really excited today to introduce you, if you don't already know who she is, to my friend, Dr. Isabella Wentz. Dr. Wentz is a pharmacist, and we met a couple of years ago at an autism conference. She had not yet put out her book, Hashimoto's Thyroiditis, Treating the Underlying Cause, the, the Root Cause of Hashimoto's, that's what we're going to go really talk about today. She happens to be a guest expert, one of our experts on the Healthy Gut Summit. So I wanted to interview her on the podcast so you could get a really good taste of who she is and what she does and how important her work is. So Isabella, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me on, Donna. You're such an inspiration to me, and it's a pleasure to be here um, chatting with you. Well, I remember when you came up to me at Autism One and you had we started chatting and you said, well, I've written this book on Hashimoto's. And I thought, wow, I haven't seen many books on that topic. This sounds important. So we started talking and um, then you went ahead, you know, right on and the book came out. Just, uh, you self-published it, which I was very proud of you for doing. And now maybe it was been a year and a half and it, it just made it to the New York Times bestseller, which is remarkable. I don't I don't know if people realize it, but if a book's gonna make it to the top of the New York Times bestseller list, it's going to do that usually right away when it first comes out and there's a whole bunch of push, you know, from the uh, publishers, but yours built to be a bestseller, right? And so um, can you just talk about that a little bit? Because it's pretty amazing. It, it shows the quality uh, and the importance of this book. You know, it's kind of funny because I basically got interested in solving Hashimoto's because I had it myself and there were really not very many resources for Hashimoto's and addressing the underlying root causes of the condition. So most of the books on the market focused on using medications, which, you know, we'll talk about are very important, but I'm a pharmacist. So that for me was kind of like a no brainer, right? It's like, of course you have to get on the right medications. And I really wanted to focus on why the body um, was attacking itself. And I wanted to figure out if there was anything that you can do to stop the progression of the condition and to even reverse the condition. And it, you know, it really was my story and my journey that I shared as well as with all of the research that I did to get myself into remission. And I just put it out in a book with the help, with the hope that it would help other people who were also searching for answers. And, you know, we've got a lot of remission stories now from that. We've got a lot of really great reviews of people who've been helped by the book. And that just makes me so happy. Um, I never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that it would reach so many people and so many people would find it as helpful as they have. So the word spread and it kept building and growing and that's how it made the New York Times bestseller list. But you, so, you know, so often in this field, and this is true for me, I had my own health problems and that's what drew me, you know, into this field, looking for answers for myself. Um, I think millions of people don't even realize they have a thyroid problem at all. And I think it's also big in men. Do you, are you finding... Uh, it's mostly a female audience, or are you um, finding men are getting there? They need help too. You know, it's a um, it's a it's a condition that likes to discriminate and predominantly affects women. But of course, I'm seeing a lot more men with this condition nowadays popping up. Um, depending on the statistics you look at, anywhere from five five to seven times women are more likely to be affected. Um, a lot of it has to do with uh, the toxins that women ingest being more sensitive and the hormonal. Um, imbalances that women are more likely to have. And 
you know, we really see this happening in women, children, and men as well. So it's, it's not something that's just um, refined to women, but it's primarily a condition that many women will, um, will be aware of having. What, what would be the symptoms? Let's say somebody doesn't even know that this is something they should be, they should be paying attention to, the, to their thyroid and that they might even have Hashimoto's. I guess we should first of all explain what's the difference between Hashimoto's and a regular thyroid deficiency, low hormone, th- thyroid hormone. You know, that's a really great question. And basically Hashimoto's is responsible for anywhere from 90 to 97% of the cases of low thyroid in the United States and in countries that add iodine to the salt supply. So hypothyroidism is a, is a clinical state. So hypothyroidism is when your thyroid gland is no longer producing enough thyroid hormone for whatever reason that may be. And as we said, 90 to 97% of the time, this is because of Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune attack on the thyroid gland. And, you know, not a lot of people know this. A lot of people will go to their doctors and they'll be told that they have a sluggish thyroid. They'll be given thyroid medications and they'll sort of be told that this kind of thing just happens as you get older. But it's not something that just happens as you get older. This is actually um, something is is happening with your immune system that's not supposed to be happening. So your immune system is going to be launching an attack against your own thyroid gland. And this has um, been the first recognized autoimmune condition in medicine. So what would the symptoms be when the immune system starts this attack? So um, when the immune system starts attacking the thyroid gland, you, um, you know, traditionally when looking at um, medical textbook, you look at um, pictures of hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism. So you look at pictures of a sluggish thyroid and an overactive thyroid, and they seem to be opposing. So a person with a sluggish thyroid might be tired, might be slow, might be forgetful. They may be losing their hair. Their skin may be more dry. Um, And on the other hand, a person with an overactive thyroid may be agitated, may be anxious. Um, They also might have some falling out hair. They may be losing weight. They might have palpitations. Um, In Hashimoto's, it's actually a lot of times a combination of both the Um, overactive and the underactive symptoms because in the initial stages of the condition, people people will have the thyroid gland being attacked and this causes a rush of thyroid hormones into the bloodstream, which can cause spikes up in thyroid hormone levels. And unfortunately, I've seen um, a lot of people who were misdiagnosed with panic attacks, anxiety disorders, with um, even bipolar disorder. Um, I've seen people who were getting hospitalized for, um, for psychotic disorders because of their thyroid, because of the Hashimoto's. Um, and on the other hand, you see people, um, especially people who are elderly, who will get diagnosed with dementia or depression because of their thyroid, because um, part of the um, underactive thyroid is, is feeling unmotivated, feeling depressed, feeling really tired, gaining weight and losing hair. So this is something that's a very, very important, um, call it like a master gland because it affects just about every system in the body. So we want to make sure that whenever you have these symptoms, that you always get your thyroid levels checked. And the test is what? How do, how do people get their, their thyroid checked? So this is very important because if you go to your conventional medical doctor, 
they will run the TSH test. And the TSH test is excellent at picking up really advanced cases of hypothyroidism. But unfortunately, it's not going to pick up Hashimoto's in the early stages. And then back in the day, some of the reference ranges that were made up. So basically, they took a bunch of people's blood and, and you know, made up a reference range and said, this is the normal person's TSH. Um, when they did that, they actually had people with thyroid disease in that pool of blood. And so the reference ranges were really lax. And they were saying that if you have a TSH as high as eight or nine, you were still considered normal. Um, you know, I had a TSH of about 4.5 when I was initially diagnosed and I was sleeping for 14 hours. I was losing my hair. I was forgetting things. I was having, you know, panic attacks, um, putting on extra weight, about probably about 15 pounds I put on just within, within a year's worth of time. And that is something that I recommend for people to always, first of all, always get a copy of your own test results. Don't trust another person to make the judgment on your health, especially if you feel that something is off. Um, healthy person without thyroid disease should have a TSH somewhere between, uh, somewhere right around one. And you'll see a fluctuation between 0.5 and as high as maybe 2.5 in, in different times. And different people may have different levels they need to feel better. So TSH is, um, of course, an obvious test that most doctors will run. But you also want to do additional testing. So thyroid peroxidase antibodies, that's abbreviated as TPO, as well as thyroglobulin antibodies, that's abbreviated as TG antibodies, are two antibody types which basically means that your immune system has began to recognize the thyroid as an enemy. And a lot of times these antibodies will be elevated for, you know, sometimes decades before you see a change in the TSH. So you can be having all of these symptoms. You can be feeling miserable, um, anxious, unhappy, uh, gaining weight, but your TSH might still be normal, but you might have high levels of these antibodies. The good thing about catching the antibodies is you can actually reduce them or eliminate them. And if you do that early enough, you can prevent damage to your thyroid gland. And, um, you know, then your thyroid tissue can regenerate and you don't have to be on thyroid medications for the rest of your life. You said a lot of things that I'm sure are giving people hope at this point. First of all, you mentioned that you have tons of testimonials of people who have completely... Uh, gone into remission. And secondly, you know, they, they're getting off of medication because I think the common belief is that you take medication for the rest of your life. You know, absolutely. And, you know, just to clarify, I, I am very much pro using medications when you need them. And a lot of times people do have to stay on them for um, sometimes lifelong but there are ways to actually, if you can eliminate or reduce the attack on your thyroid gland, thyroid tissue does regenerate um, at a very, very slow rate. And some people, it's at a faster rate. So um, I'm actually researching different ways to accelerate the tissue regeneration. And I've, I've seen some exciting stuff that i um, not quite ready to share yet, but um, we'll be sharing with the world in you know, the next six months to a year. Um, so there are... are a lot of different innovative strategies out there that can help people really heal. You know, today, um, if you have four women, three of them can't become pregnant naturally on their own. They will need help from a medical doctor. And even then, if they use IVF, uh, in vitro fertilization, 
and they get pregnant, it, they, they often lose the baby and have a miscarriage. So it's really, really concerning. And I know that the, the th- a thyroid imbalance, you know, mostly, most likely, as you said, Hashimoto's is playing a key role in that. What would you say to a, somebody who wants to have a baby and, you know, if you were speaking to that particular group of women who've, you know, heartbroken because they keep trying, they want to have a baby more than anything in the world and they can't. I'm working with a woman right now, beautiful young woman. Uh, she wants so badly to have another baby. She's had one. She can't get pregnant. And when I asked to see her, um, th- you know, she's working with doctors, of course, and I said, could you just send me your latest th- thyroid test? And what she sent back was pitiful. I mean, I can't forget. I remember exactly what it was, but it was like the TSH and maybe free T3, free T4, and that was it, I think. But... um there's so much more you need to test for. So let's just talk about, it's such a serious problem. I think we should spend a little time talking about that for all these millions of women. It's, it's not just for these women. It's really for the future of mankind. If women can't have beautiful, healthy babies, we won't be here much longer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it's very heartbreaking for me and it, it makes me really angry because women... I believe every woman should be tested before they um, they try to become pregnant for thyroid disease. A lot of times women don't find out that they have Hashimoto's or thyroid disease until after they've had a couple of miscarriages. And these miscarriages could be prevented, you know, probably a large percentage of the time if the woman's thyroid was managed properly. And another thing that happens is during pregnancy, you're Um, your need for thyroid hormone actually goes up. So some women may develop uh, a thyroid disorder during pregnancy, and that can lead to problems in the offspring. So um, having low levels of thyroid hormone during pregnancy has been linked to learning disabilities, um, to even autism, as well as some um, cognitive deficits in children. And another thing that also happens is a lot of times women may have Uh, maybe trigger their Hashimoto's after they give birth. So you'll see women with, unfortunately, you know, postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis. You know, a lot of times these could be actually new onset thyroid disorders that, you know, nobody's really testing for that. So I would really encourage anybody thinking about having a baby to get a baseline um, thyroid function test. Um, The six tests I recommend are going to be the TSH, the free T3, free T4, thyroid peroxidase antibody, thyroglobulin antibodies. And if you have a risk, uh, a family history of thyroid disease, then I would also recommend you do a thyroid ultrasound, at least at baseline, just to make sure that your thyroid is, um, you know, that you don't have any other issues that that may occur, like uh, thyroid cancer or anything else that may need some intervention. Uh, The other reason for the ultrasound is sometimes you know, 80 to 90% of women with Hashimoto's will have antibodies, but 10 to 20% won't. And the other way to figure out if they have Hashimoto's would be to see it on a thyroid ultrasound. So definitely I would highly recommend that and making sure that you keep your TSH in, um, there's a specific pregnancy range. So, um, I have an article about that on my website, thyroidpharmacist.com. If you look up pregnancy, there's, um, six tips for pregnancy with Hashimoto's. 
Great. And then if it's, but I just in case there's somebody out there that's thinking, gosh, I didn't know if it was safe to take drugs during a pregnancy. It's safe to take thyroid medication, right? Right. So thyroid medications, um, there's different classifications for medications, um, and they are rated A, which means that they're safe during pregnancy. And it's actually better to be on thyroid medications if you need them, of course, than not to be on. It's safer for your pregnancy. Isn't there a connection between um, the thyroid and Down syndrome? You know, there's a lot of information about the connection. Um, So definitely children um, and adults, of course, with Down syndrome are more likely to have Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. I love the interview that we did together for the Healthy Gut Summit, and I want people to um, know about the gut because there's a big connection between the gut and the thyroid, and we went into it much more deeply. But could you just sort of give us a little bit of information about the gut-thyroid connection, and then I've got a really big question to ask you. So when I was doing research on ways to overcome my autoimmune thyroid condition, I came across um, some work of Dr. Alessio Fasano that talked about the three things that need to be present in order for a person to develop an autoimmune condition. The first thing is having the right genes. The second thing is having the right triggers and various you know, viruses, bacteria, toxins, stress, nutrient deficiencies have been implicated in Hashimoto's. And then the third piece of the puzzle is having intestinal permeability or a leaky gut. And this is something that if you, um, a lot of times, you know, if you're trying to address the underlying root causes of your condition, you obviously can't change your genes and at least not in this day and age. Uh, a lot of times you can identify and eliminate your triggers, but this, is, this isn't always possible. But you can always work on trying to heal your gut. So um, I consider myself lucky because I had a lot of gut symptoms, and that was sort of a clue in to me as to looking for the root cause of my condition. So this is a very, very important thing for people to, to, to know that if you have a thyroid condition, you probably also have a gut condition that you need to address. And a very common sign of leaky gut is just reacting to so many foods, which people, I've, I talk to people and they've got five or six foods that they can safely eat. The rest of them make them feel bad. And that's certainly a sign of a leaky gut. This is a great question to ask a pharmacist. You know, when somebody uh, looks at thyroid medication, they see different, you know, doses. There's uh, 0.5, there's a whole grain, there's um three quarters of a grain, like it's a little bit confusing. How would a pharmacist or a medical doctor, you know, dose somebody? And if somebody's taking the wrong dose, can you tell that? You know, one of the ways is, is of course, with any medication and especially with thyroid hormone, you want to start low and go slow. So initially a person may be started on 50 micrograms of uh, levothyroxine and that dose can be increased every four to six weeks, depending on, um, you know, doctors will look at the person's numbers. So they'll look at their levels of TSH. The really good doctors will also look at free T3 and free T4 and the patient's symptoms. Um, the other consideration is making sure that the person is on the right type of medication. So there's levothyroxine-only medications, which are known as prodrugs, which means that they need to be... Um, Uh, processed by the body a little bit in order to be more active. So T3 is the more active version of thyroid hormone, and um, you can actually have a thyroid medication with the pre-converted T3 in it. So there's medications like Armour Thyroid or Nature Throid 
as well as compounded T4, T3 medications that have that balance of um, both the T4 and the T3 hormones, which are uh, important for appropriate thyroid function. So that's another big consideration to make. Um, what I've seen a lot, and I wanted to, you know, for the clients that I consult with, and I also consult with some pharmacists and physicians who have trouble um, getting their patients optimized, is that some people may not be able to get optimized on the average dose of thyroid medication. So they may require higher doses. And then we'll see people who are just fluctuating all over the place. One month, they'll be um, have an underactive thyroid, and then the next month, the doctor will increase their dose, and then they'll have an overactive thyroid, and, and they just have this trouble of absorbing the medication. So um, found some recent research about the dosage of thyroid medication as it relates to uh, potential actually root causes. So a lot of, like we said, a lot of the root causes may be in the gut. And I found this neat little calculation that basically if a person is um, on thyroid medication and does not have gut problems, their dosage of levothyroxine should be 1.31 micrograms per kilogram or less. However, if they have... Um, <clears throat> a dosage of 1.31 microgram or higher and their TSH is still not right around a one, it's a good possibility that this person actually has lactose intolerance. And this could be something that can be um, aggravating them if they continually, continually eat milk products. This could be something that is a big problem for them. Um, now, on the other hand, if a person has a dose of more than two micrograms per kilogram, it's quite possible that they may have another gut disorder that could be inhibiting their absorption of the thyroid medication. And if you uncover this gut disorder, you can actually, in many cases, which I've seen with you know clients and readers, you can actually get the condition to go into remission. So not only do you absorb your medications better and you feel better, but your thyroid antibodies um, may get into the remission. Wow, that is amazing information. So if someone has to go on a higher medication or they're responding best at a higher medication, uh, You that means that you would look for other gut disorders? Like, if I'm understanding what you said correctly, um, and can you give us an example of what you might look for? Yeah, definitely. So um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, parasites, H. pylori, um, as well as celiac disease. These are just some examples of the types of disorders that can be triggering Hashimoto's and can also lead you to not absorb your medication very well. Mm -hmm. So just to make sure, uh, sort of a summary of that, if, um, if you are working with a doctor and he starts you off in a low dose and that's not working, so they move you to the next you know, dose and then you have to keep increasing, you know to start looking for, or you need to discuss this with your doctor, it's time to start looking for some other gut disorders like SIBO, uh, H. pylori, for example. Uh, that's, is that, did I, did I understand that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there was a recent study that showed about 54% of people with, um, with hypothyroidism actually had SIBO. And I know I'm, I'm really excited you have Allison Seebecker, the SIBO queen, talking about um, treatment options for SIBO during your, your gut summit. It was a great interview. I'm, I'm excited to. I'm 
The Gut Summit is really, really high quality. You know, I put together a dream list of speakers thinking I will be lucky if five or six people in their busy schedules will say yes to me. They all said yes. So it's a a sterling cast with amazing information. I hope people will, uh, if they want like a wonderful course in the gut, uh, a complete thorough cut. I think we've covered everything, parasites, thyroid, SIBO, and all kinds of things in between. Uh, it's it's just a summit I'm really pr- very proud to offer the world, and I'm very grateful that you were one of those experts and that are, you're with us here today. Is there any kind of last-minute thought you'd like to leave people with, or where can they find you, especially, and because uh, obviously there's a lot of people needing more of you. Um, so they can find me at thyroidpharmacist.com and I have a blog which is updated regularly with new research and tips and strategies. And I also have some free gifts. They can go to thyroidpharmacist.com slash gift and you can get a free chapter of my book, the digestion and depletions chapter, which talks about some of the nutrient deficiencies that are present in Hashimoto's and addressing the nutrient deficiencies can do wonders for your energy levels, for your weight, um, for your anxiety. And I also have some gluten-free recipes and a quick start gluten-free diet. I, um, I went gluten-free before I read your book, Donna. So I had no idea what I was doing and I did some of the wrong stuff. Um, and I just, you want to make sure people have a quick start guide to, to be able to do that. And as far as, you know, a takeaway is I, I really hope that everybody listening just takes the time to empower themselves to learn as much as they possibly can about their condition, about the gut, and really take charge of your own health because there are many amazing doctors out there that will work with you, but really the important thing is that you need to work for yourself and you need to um, start implementing these things. A a doctor can only do so much for you. I love that. I 100% agree with you. And that's the purpose for me for doing these podcasts. I went through the A4M uh, Advanced Fellowship Program and I sat there seeing all these amazing doctors learning fantastic information, making them better and better at what they do. And then I realized, wait, they need patients that are educated that can sit there with them and they can have a discussion about what the patient needs, not not the doctor just telling you what to do and you have no idea what he's talking about. So conversations like this are so very important. I 100% agree with Isabella that, you know, you did a summit too, by the way, your, your Hashimoto summit. And are you planning to do part two and is part one still available? Yeah, definitely. The Hashimoto's Institute part one is still available for people. So they can go to Hashimoto'sinstitute.com to find the information. Um, and we are actually just meeting about what we're going to do for this year uh, next week. So we'll keep you posted on that. And Donna, I'm just, you know, I just want to say I'm so excited for, um, the gut summit because, I've spent so much money going to, you know, A4M and IFM, all of these functional medicine conferences and anti-aging medicine to hear some of these speakers, like to hear, you know, I'd spend thousands of dollars to hear like mm-hmm. three or four of them at a time. And you've got mm-hmm. like all of the amazing speakers that are going to oh, be. Oh, yeah. Exa- oh, very good point. Absolutely. These are people that you never, normally would never have access to. So I'm very proud of it. And I know our time is up. I'm so grateful to you, Isabella, for the work that you're doing. I, I love it that you're brilliant and young, and that means you're going to be around for a long time. And 
speaking to a young audience that needs your message desperately, our, our mothers, our moms and dads that are going to be having babies, this is our future, and, and your message is really important, so thank you. Thank you, Donna. It's been such an honor and a pleasure for, for me to speak with you. Well, everybody, thank you all also for listening today. If you're new to Body Ecology, please subscribe to Body Ecology Living with Donna Gates. And also feel free to leave a comment on our Facebook page. We do listen to those comments. We will do future podcasts based on what you want to hear. So tell me what you want to learn. And most of all, have a great day.